listening to the Stoic Solutions Podcast, practical wisdom for everyday life inspired by the ancient philosophers of Greece and Rome. I'm your host, Justin Vakula. Visit my website at stoicsolutionspodcast.com. This is episode 97, Ben Aldridge, How to Be Comfortable with Being Uncomfortable, 43 Weird and Wonderful Ways to Build a Strong, Resilient Mindset. We talk about how to overcome anxiety, the value of taking on challenges, and improving mindset. Ben Aldridge writes about practical philosophy, comfort zones, mental health, and adventure. His first book, How to Be Comfortable with Being Uncomfortable, 43 Weird and Wonderful Ways to Build a Strong, Resilient Mindset, is an exploration of unique ways to leave our comfort zones, face our fears, and overcome our anxieties. Heavily influenced by Stoicism, Buddhism, popular psychology, and cognitive behavioral therapy, Ben's challenges encourage us to get uncomfortable and experience the personal growth that we can only gain from pushing ourselves to the limit. See show notes for links to his websites, Facebook page, and contact information. On with today's episode. All right, thank you for joining me today. Hi, Justin. Thank you so much for having me on. Great to chat to you today. We're here to talk about your new book, How to Be Comfortable with Being Uncomfortable, 43 Weird and Wonderful Ways to Build a Strong, Resilient Mindset. And this book comes about through some of your reading of Stoicism. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Stoicism has been a, a hugely influential philosophical system in my life. And it's been really exciting to be able to, to talk about this in the book and to be able to share it with readers. And what from Stoicism particularly led you to write this book? So all of this, the whole book came off the back of uh, severe and debilitating anxiety. A few years ago, I was hit with like severe panic attacks and I didn't know what was happening to me. And basically, this whole book is talks about my journey to understand that and how to deal with that anxiety, which just really came out of the blue and there was no obvious trigger. There was nothing that happened in my life that caused it. Uh, it just came out of nowhere. And it was uh, it was important for me to learn how to deal with that. And to cut a very long story short, basically, I just started reading extensively on loads of different things that I could do. And this is where I encountered lots of philosophical and psychological ideas that I found really helpful from Buddhism to cognitive behavioral therapy to growth mindset and all of these other things. But really, out of all of this, stoicism is the key concept that jumped out at me and really resonated with me. So it's had a profound impact on my life. So it's been really interesting to explore that. And I loved how the Stoics talked about training their minds. And um, we like I knew that you go to the gym to train your body. But where do you go to train your mind? And I love that the Stoics used to do all of these fantastic things like expose themselves to the cold and the heat and sleep on hard surfaces and fast from food and water. And it just really resonated with me. And I started to complete challenges in the style of the Stoics. And and this book has really come from that concept of voluntary discomfort. And it really made a difference to my life. It gave me confidence and it taught me how to deal with adversity. And that's that's essentially what the book talks about. Right. And the Stoics talk about taking on reasonable challenges to prepare ourselves to leave our comfort zones. And you found many benefits of doing that, of leaving the comfort zone. I think the, the whole purpose of this was to step outside of my comfort zone so that I could, I guess, expose myself to a little bit of adversity in a relatively controlled environment. When I was dealing with that severe anxiety, this is such a counterintuitive thing to do. Uh, and maybe that's why I was so drawn to it, because the thought of deliberately stepping outside of my comfort zone 
just seems so foreign. And actually, it really did work, exposing myself to all of these different things and testing myself in different ways allowed me to better understand myself. And I, I really love that the Stoics used to do this. And but yeah, as I said, that's, that's a key thing that really connected to me. Right. And one can start in very small ways to try to step out of their comfort zone, take on gradual challenges, gradual experiences, rather than trying some things that are super, super difficult, and then people just give up. Yeah. And I think it's a compound thing. It's, uh, it's pushing yourself out of your comfort zone in different ways and just looking for different types of um, severity in challenge. So for instance, in the book, I talk about there are some really committing things that I do. And these are very, very, I guess, life changing and they take a long time. For instance, learning to uh, speak Japanese, which is an ongoing thing. I've seen that as a, a continuous challenge, which has been brutally difficult, but always looking for the lesson has been valuable in that and running marathons and climbing mountains and doing these very physical things that take a lot of training and a lot of time. But it's also looking for the small things as well. And I talk about how we can find these challenges in unusual places and even just having a cold shower, jumping into the cold and fighting the cold. Um, that can take like five minutes, but it's a great way to get out of our comfort zone. And I think there's loads of different ways that we can do this. And it's been really fun exploring the dynamic between the big things and the small things. Right. And a lot of this you said is in the mind. You mentioned about a fixed mindset, but instead of having a fixed mindset saying, what you can do or what you believe is possible, you can have a growth mindset and try to learn, try to develop, even if just one little step at a time. Yeah. And I think completing challenges allows us to, to do that, to build confidence and to, to understand who we are as people. And uh, yeah, it can be quite a profound experience even though you know they're small things they do add up and then before you know it you've got these uh, you've got this boosting confidence and it does make a real difference and also it's important to have fun with it as well I think it's uh, that that's one of the key things and I've certainly had a lot of fun when doing this project and writing the book and completing challenges and looking for unusual things to do and that's been one of the uh, one of the key take-homes, really. Right, and things that people can do from home, as you talked about memorizing the name of a Welsh train station, which I still have a very hard time with. <laughs> yeah, so that's a fun challenge. And that's, so the, in North Wales, there's a train station. It's got the longest name in the world. It's there it is <laughs> now if anyone is welsh and listening to that i've probably destroyed it but i mean that's my attempt to say it but it took a while and it's it's more about just uh looking for a little challenge and that was just uh, one small thing it took a, a little bit of time to figure that out but there's lessons in everything that we do and the key with that was just being persistent and you know sticking with it and actually, it's a fun little challenge. And it was one of the smaller ones. I mean, compare that to learning Japanese, there's a huge difference. But it's just that always looking for different challenges. And I think that can be that can be a lot of fun. Right. The Stoics often saw a challenge as an opportunity. Yeah. I think if we can reframe things as well that happen to us in life and see them and view them as a challenge, then everything that happens to us gives us the opportunity to learn 
And I think it's that that can be crucial and that can be extremely um, helpful for a lot of people. Right. We don't want to take on something too large. And the Stoics wrote about, well, let's not be madmen wishing that we contract a virus or some sickness, but we could take on something that's appropriate, something that we can overcome. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's uh, it's just playing around with that. And it's giving us confidence and knowing that when you can do one thing, it gives you the boost in confidence to know that you can do other things as well. So I do believe that these ideas compound. And I do believe that by exposing ourselves to adversity, and it doesn't have to be ridiculous adversity, but just a little bit. And over time, I think it just helps us to train for the inevitable curveballs that life can throw at us. Right. You talked about solving a Rubik's Cube as something you thought would have been extremely difficult. But after analyzing it, researching, it became easier and easier. And that was all about perception. My perception of the Rubik's Cube is, I think when you, you think about the Rubik's Cube, you think, oh, people are, you know, you've got to be a genius to be able to solve a Rubik's Cube. But that's really not the case. It just takes a, a little bit of commitment and you can do it. And that's really interesting for me to see how I've got these self-limiting beliefs. And I think it's important to challenge them. And actually challenging them has taught me a lot. Uh, and just doing that in a small way, like solving a Rubik's Cube, learning to solve a Rubik's Cube isn't going to make your problems go away. But it's the the higher purpose of why you're learning to solve it, because you're trying to better yourself and you're trying to figure out how you deal with adversity and challenge and difficulty. So I think the more you do it in different contexts, yeah, it adds up. Right. And if you can do it in a more controlled environment in your home, that should be good for overcoming these issues of anxiety or fears in that you you're in more of a controlled space it's not like as you talked about some of the more difficult challenges long distance walking there were there were several things that came up that were unexpected even weather something completely outside of our control yeah so and that's a, that's a good example because the long distance walk was again i thought i had a, a perception of how i thought it was going to be and it was wrong well, our perceptions are often wrong <laughs> and uh, I thought because I'd been running marathons, I'd been training, I was in a really like physically good condition from all of these other things that I'd been doing. And I completely underestimated it. I thought, OK, it's a walk. So what, how bad can it be? But I, I decided to do this walk. It's 106 miles long and I did it in four days. So it's essentially walking a marathon every day. But because it was walking, I didn't really give it the uh, the weight that it that it deserved. And it was brutal. It was so hard. Honestly, <laughs> my body really struggled with it. And getting up on the third day, it just rained the entire time. And it's uh, it's the perfect example of having to work with things that are outside of your control and and uh, to fight back against it. And it became quite a gritty thing. But actually, at the end of the day, it's still in a controlled environment. I can choose at any point to stop. But it's just about pushing myself and learning how to push myself in these it's a relatively controlled environment right there's some importance in knowing what we're getting into so doing that research not only for challenges like this but for larger life to majoring in a certain study or taking up a job some people they'll think oh this is just what i'm supposed to do or this is what my parents want me to do but there could be some wisdom in yeah knowing what we're getting into before we do and avoiding that eventual disaster that might happen yeah, and I think it's as long as we're always open and we're looking for lessons, then that's that's the key thing. It would certainly be the key thing for me with this project. It's every every challenge that I've completed, every little way that I've stepped out of my comfort zone, I've always looked for the lesson. And that's been 
such an important part of the process. And some transferable skills as well from challenge to challenge that applies to life in general. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think every challenge has something that we can take away and, and hope, the hope is that it's going to prepare us for what can crop up in life. And before I didn't have, when, when I was initially hit with all of this severe anxiety, I didn't have anything in place. I had no system to deal with it. So actually learning about what works for me and learning that some of the ideas, particularly in stoicism, are really helpful and very applicable to to life and, and testing them out. And that's just the point of these challenges, to test out the ideas. You know, I love the idea of really using your philosophy and using those ideas. And that's why I'm really into the practical side of it and really into making sure that we put these ideas to the test and, and we can do that and we can have a lot of fun when we're doing it. Right. Philosophy sometimes gets a bad reputation as being too academic or detached from life or simply thought experiments. But you said that in your study of Stoicism and even Buddhism, you found a lot of that practical application. Yeah, the practical application is, is the key, really, because otherwise it doesn't it doesn't have any value for me. For, I can spend a lot of time thinking about concepts, but actually what's going to help me? And to be honest, that was the whole purpose of this. I was in such a, a bad place. I needed to find out what was going to work. And that's why I started completing challenges to, to test out these different ideas. And if it didn't work, if there was an idea that I just didn't resonate with, I wouldn't use it and I wouldn't think about it anymore. But the ones that did work and the the tools and tricks that I found worked personally for me, I, I kept them. And it's just a continual thing. And now I love exploring philosophy and psychology for you never know what little tip or trick is going to make a difference. And then you can get out there and you can test it either in the real world by the challenges that naturally come up or the ones that you seek out. And I think it's, uh, yeah, trying to find the balance between the two. Right. And on that practical note, you wrote in your book about how stoicism influenced cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. And it's interesting to see that to, it depends on what lens you want to use, because a lot of the ideas within stoicism, yep, they influence cognitive behavioral therapy. And you can see that as well. When you start reading about CBT, you can see how there's a direct influence from stoicism. And, but some people might connect to the CBT a little bit more than an ancient Greek philosophy. And I think it's important as individuals to play around and figure out what works for us. But I kind of like taking bits from all over different philosophies as well. But um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how it's evolving as well and what's happening nowadays with Stoicism. Right. There are themes in CBT and Stoicism of disputing our irrational ideas that try to that we should try to look at things as they actually are rather than being mired in fear or ideas that don't correspond to reality. Yeah, perception is everything. And I think even just going back to that Rubik's Cube example, my perception of what I thought it was going to be like was very different from the reality. And it can work in a positive and a negative way. The positive is that, so for instance, the positive would be, I would think that something's easier than it is, and then actually it's not that easy. And the negative perception would be, oh, I think that's going to be too hard. And then you try it and it's actually not that hard. So I think it's just waiting, holding back that that judgment and just being aware of our perception of everything that we encounter. Right. And one strength of your book is that there are challenges that so many people can take on. OK, well, maybe people with some kind of physical disability won't do the long distance walking 
or the marathons, but they can probably do things like cooking a new dish. That was one challenge that you listed in your book. That, that was a fun one. And that, that's just simply just trying something new, being open to new ideas. And and it's not exactly adversity as such, but it's it's about being open to something different and trying something unfamiliar. And naturally, if you're trying something unfamiliar, there's going to be things that crop up. And it's always paying attention to your mind. I think the having the bigger picture and the higher purpose for everything is really important when you're doing it. You're not just cooking a new dish for the sake of it. You're cooking it as a as a way of understanding more about yourself and how you deal with things. And when you get frustrated, it's paying attention to what happens when you're doing it. So, yeah, I think it's uh, it's important to have that mix. And there's a lot of different challenges that I talk about. It's not just physical. There's skill-based challenges and mental challenges. And we can push ourselves in lots of different ways by exploring these different aspects of stepping outside of our comfort zones. It's not just physical. Um, it can be academic. It can be uh, skill-based. And yeah, I think it's, it's important to do that mix. Right. Even memorizing the order of a deck of cards was one of the challenges that you listed. Yeah, and that's that's a great party trick. It's uh, it's quite an interesting one. And again, this is about like shattering that self-limiting belief. I did, honestly didn't think I'd be able to do it. It's quite an amazing skill, the way that the brain works. What you're doing is you're learning how to memorize every single card in a deck of cards. Uh, so basically you shuffle it, you look at each card once, and then without looking at them, you can recall what the order is. And it's uh, a complicated methods i explain it in detail in the book but basically you turn the cards into characters that have actions and you place them in this uh, this thing called a memory palace which helps us to remember different things by having we use locations like a geographic location in our mind as a trigger to remember certain things so we place these characters in a story and then it can help us to remember things and it's really interesting exploring memory and looking at how people well some of the things that people can do with their memory after training it is unbelievable and this is something again it's to do with that perception honestly didn't i honestly didn't think i could do something like this but it's just you stick with it a little bit and you'll amaze yourself and i think that's that's quite nice actually when you prove to yourself that you can do something you didn't think you could do and some of these things can transform into hobbies or maybe even side hustles, part-time jobs, something similar to that as well. Yeah, you never know where it's going to take you. And that's the fun. I think being open to it. Uh, and you, Even if you just learn one thing, one takeaway, or you know that you never want to do that again. That in itself has value. So I think it's just, yeah, that element of play and trying new things as well. Right. It's one thing with the current pandemic, and we'll try to avoid the C word here for YouTube. But with the current pandemic, a lot of people are realizing, oh, well, I only had one stream of income or, oh, I structured my life to be in this one way. But now we're seeing that we have to be more versatile in a time of change and uncertainty. Yeah. And it's how we respond to that as well, I think, which is um, a huge thing within stoicism. One of the key themes really is what happens. Um, we don't control a lot of the things that happen to us, really. The only thing we can control is our response to what happens. And this has been particularly helpful for me during the lockdown period and everything that's been going on in the world. I've found that focusing on what I can control and what I can't control has been huge. And actually right back at the start with this whole project, dealing with that anxiety, learning about control and 
response to external situations and how I can choose my response and really drilling down on that. That has been a very important part of stoicism that's really resonated with me as well. Right. I'm sure during this challenge that was imposed on us that some people are handling it really well, some people are not. Some people are into despair. Some people are finding opportunity during this time. Yeah. And I think I would have definitely been in a terrible place if I hadn't had anything, if I hadn't had a, I guess, a, a system to lean on when things became a little bit tricky. I think without a system, it's very hard to to deal with challenges maybe you created your own and that some people it just naturally happens but for me I didn't have anything so when I was hit with this anxiety there was nothing in place no tools no tricks no I, I guess you could call it an operating system uh, I kind of like that example of maybe using stoicism as an operating system a way to view the world a lens through which we can view all of the things that happen to us and I found that having something in place is so much better than not having anything in place. And I can certainly say that it's helped me um, recently as well, other than just dealing with that initial anxiety. But I think it's just great to know that there's this structured system that I can lean on when things are, get a little bit tricky, in whatever capacity that is, because let's face it, life is great at throwing us curveballs. Looking toward the ancient world can provide that inspiration, especially since many of these traditions have a modern take from many authors I've had on previous episodes of the podcast. It's it's not like this is very detached from modern times. There are so many resources out there to try to learn and grow and have this philosophy of life. Yeah, and it's so timeless. That's what I think a lot of people really connect with Stoicism. The ideas are just just so so relevant right now, and it's uh, it's something that we can use straight away. And it's uh, we can just pick and choose which parts we want. And I feel that because of the way that it's presented, it's very accessible. And uh, a lot of the ideas that they talk about can just literally be mapped onto the modern uh, the modern age, the modern era. So I guess that's probably why we see so many people interested in it. Right, many of the difficulties that the ancients talked about are still relevant today. So if you can draw upon an ancient philosophy to reduce anxiety, to find more meaning in life, to find more joy, then what a benefit that can be it's so interesting to when you go back and you read some of these texts and you just think hang on a minute that could that could literally be applied to what happened to me the other day and uh, it doesn't really need a lot of updating sometimes when you read certain things in stoicism and some of these quotes that you see knocking around on the internet as well it's like they're speaking to us for right now which is really cool right and as a result of studying stoicism as a result of embarking on your challenges and writing your books you also said that your anxiety levels are at an all-time low oh yeah completely i stopped having when i stopped having panic attacks i could see the value in all of this and i just kind of lent into it more and it was really that voluntary discomfort that kind that idea within stoicism that's made the biggest difference to my life seeing that by counterintuitively stepping outside of my comfort zone leaning into my fears I can use that as a way to better myself and I can learn about how to deal with being anxious and and um, afraid of things and I think it's it's important for us to play around with that so I, I love the idea there's this concept of the that I, I created this idea called the anti-bucket list and it's um, we all know what a bucket list is 
bucket list is a list of things we want to do before we die. And, you know, maybe you want to go to Vegas or maybe you want to go see the Northern Lights or learn how to speak Spanish. I don't know. This it's very easy to come up with that. But I like the idea of an anti-bucket list, which is the complete opposite. It's a list of things you don't want to do before you die. And as adults, it's very easy for us to avoid things. We, it's, it's so easy to not do things that scare us. So, for instance, I'll give you an example. For me, I had a terrible fear of needles. So this is something that would be on an anti-bucket list. Why would I want to go near needles? Why would I want to do anything with needles? So I turned it into a challenge. I used it as a way for me to, to learn about myself. And actually, through this anti-bucket list, through these things that I didn't want to do, I managed to experience a lot of personal self-development. So going and having acupuncture was my way of turning a fear of needles into something, flipping it around and turning it into a challenge that's very specific for me because not everyone would have a problem with that. But for me, it was really tough. But knowing that it's difficult and pushing through that is actually something that has a lot of value to it. And I took away so much from facing that fear. And the boost of confidence that I got off the back of it made a huge difference. So this idea of an anti-bucket list can be a lot of, well, I say fun, it's probably not fun when you're facing these things that you have a fear of or that you don't want to do. But the point is that these things, doing these things, there's a lot of growth that we can experience off the back of it. And I know that the Stoics would approve of this type of uh, exercise. Right. And after the fact, have you realized, oh, hey, this wasn't as terrible as I thought it was? Absolutely. Yeah. Looking at, you know, what your mind does before and how it's creating this, all these different scenarios. And then you go in and it's really not that bad. That's something that even just experiencing that firsthand has a huge amount of value, realizing that we're often so wrong about, you know, the things that we're afraid of, or, you know, we always walk away with, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And that was certainly the case with needles. And it's, it's something that I think we can all play around with looking at our fears and looking at things that we don't want to do and seeing actually if I do it what can I take away from it and turning it into a, a challenge and reframing it as something that can uh, teach us more about ourselves and actually we can have a lot of fun with this. We can also learn from others there are I'm sure communities for almost anything that you could find online from forums, websites, social media, Facebook groups so you can go into a lot of these challenges and prepare rather than just walking in and taking on this big challenge and not knowing what to expect. Yeah, I think so. And I, it's always really important to look at what other people are doing and reading about how people have overcome adversity. And I like the idea of using role models as a way to behave, having people that we admire and people who do incredible things. We can learn a lot from them and whether that's related to a specific challenge or something that we want to do in our lives or whether it's more general just people how they respond to different things and I find that the adventure world is always quite interesting looking at how people do incredible things and you know firsts and all of these different like world first ascents and the kind of polar explorers and looking at different things that people have done um these kind of incredible feats of human endurance. I really like looking at that and exploring how people's mindsets work. Are you looking at taking on new challenges? You had 43 
in your book, How to Be Comfortable with Being Uncomfortable, are you looking at another 43 or getting to 100? Well, so there's 43 in the book because that felt like a manageable, a manageable amount for people to digest. The reality is that when I first did this, there were hundreds of different things that I did. And I chose the most varied challenges to actually write about in the book. And it's something that I initially did for a year. I decided that I would test out this concept of voluntary discomfort and doing all of these different challenges. And when it started working, I realized that this was something that actually I'm going to continue to do in my life. And if I say that it's uh, a lifestyle, that's probably a bit pretentious, uh, but it, it's, it's an ongoing thing, right? So I continue to look for challenges in different ways and different places. And whether it's something that naturally is coming up because of life, they just life loves to present little challenges or big challenges, or it's something that I'm working towards an ongoing challenge there are definitely things from the first book that i'm i still do and there are new things as well so it's uh constantly looking for this i mean the list is ridiculously big of all these things that i've been doing uh, and that i want to do so um yeah it's an ongoing thing maybe starting a small business that could be that could be a challenge to take on yeah and i think it's what we're all so different as well it's important to explore um how challenges relate to us and how we can push ourselves as individuals. So for me, even just this, having the book out and all of the things off the back of the book and this kind of this new world for me as well has been really exciting and getting feedback from readers and going out and doing workshops and presentations and talking to different people, really exciting um, people and different ideas. I love that. And it's, it's a new, uh, it's a new world for me. So it's been a lot of fun getting out there and, um, I guess in a way that's a little bit of a challenge as well. So it's always looking for the next, the next thing, the next way to push myself. Any particular challenges that came about when writing your book? The whole book, obviously with the book, there was all these different challenges that I've been completing. So those are what I've been writing about. Um, with the book itself, even just getting a publishing deal in it's that that's a, a massive challenge, uh, especially when you're an unknown author and you're coming off you haven't got anything to you haven't got a a stepping stone you don't have any previous work and it's just coming out of nowhere and you have to rely on the strength of your writing in the first place to to get that book deal so that in itself is a huge challenge uh, and that's something I obviously don't write about that because that's that's just part of, that's behind the scenes but that's something that I've found stoicism has been particularly helpful with and just accepting that there's certain things out of my control and, and just doing my best and trying to sort of just work hard and be consistent. And that's it. If you're consistent and you stick with it, that's something that has, uh, has been a valuable lesson from this whole project and just being committed and following things through and yeah, there's lessons everywhere. So I think it's been, it's been really noticeable in my mindset that I'm now looking for lessons actively in everything whereas before when I was extremely panicky and anxious when this all of this anxiety here I didn't didn't look for lessons at all everything was just like ah it's all going wrong it's a disaster but actually looking for lessons is is huge and that's yeah that's been a big change for me right there's this idea in stoicism and being an active part in your own recovery and growing and learning and that's definitely something I get from the book that you're actively looking to build you're actively looking to take on these challenges and learn something yeah i think so we have to 
take responsibility for our personal development and that's that's certainly what happened with this project and it definitely made a huge difference when I took full responsibility for my mental health. Right. It could be easy to blame the past, blame others, but looking to get out of that mindset, I think is, is really an important thing that the past, okay, the past has happened. We can acknowledge things. We can acknowledge our own limitations, but that's not the end of the story. Exactly. It's looking forward, isn't it? eyes forward we can acknowledge what happens and we can learn as long as we learn from it it doesn't matter so it doesn't matter what happens to us but as long as we learn we it's either working or we're learning and i think as long as we're doing that and we're pushing forward uh, and just taking from everything that happens to us then every single experience that we have has value and i think it's just making sure we extract the value and also to try and remember that when things are going wrong and when uh, when we're facing problems that actually <laughs> believe it or not there is a lesson somewhere and that we will be able to in hindsight look back on this and and look at it and see ah okay that's why that happened and or i took this away from it um and it's trying to get that objectivity that can be tough when you're in the midst of whatever's happening to you if it's uh, particularly difficult um, but i think as long as you hold on to that or as long as we try and hold on to that then i think there's uh, yeah that can be useful right a level of hope is needed to progress yeah i think so good and in your book you also wrote don't suffer in silence can you give readers some insight about that yeah so this that particular expression that that that's all about dealing with mental health and i think one of the key things when we're talking about mental health is that we are open and we need to be more open about mental health it is changing, but there's still a stigma associated with it. And when I first started experiencing anxiety and panic attacks, I didn't know anything about it. I was so ill-educated. And that's probably why it was so bad for me, because I, I didn't know what was happening. It's that fear of the unknown. And I think the more we speak about it, not only are we raising the profile of mental health, but also by speaking about it, we we're reaching out to other people and we can change our relationship with our mental health. We just need to be open. We need to talk to people uh, and acknowledge that we need help and just not get on with it. We need to speak to people. We need to look at systems that we can use. And I think it's really important for everyone to be open about their mental health and, and to, yeah, it's important to share what's happening to them and not suffer in silence because actually that's, that's when things can go terribly terribly wrong and we can see it a lot with mental health if people just try and get on with it or if they they feel ashamed about it or they're worried and they just won't talk about it then that can just spiral in such a terrible terrible direction so i think speaking about it is is the number one thing anyone can do and then from that point you're going to have support people will be able to help you they can help you to learn what's going to work for you and different things work for different people and it's just figuring out what's going to work for you as an individual and the only way that's going to happen is if you start talking and being open right so there's an element of vulnerability that we have to take on and some people are even uncomfortable with that yeah i think it's it's being vulnerable being prepared to be vulnerable and actually being open about my mental health has been one of the best things that's ever happened to me and off the back of it it's it actually allows other people to talk about it. So many people in my life that I didn't know 
had issues with anxiety would suddenly start talking to me about it. And it's almost as if it's it's this thing that people don't want to talk about. But if you're the first person to initiate it, you'd be surprised at how many people are suffering in silence. So I think if you act first and you put your vulnerability out there, then people will respond to that. And if they don't in a positive way, then I don't think that, that that's going to be particularly helpful. That person's attitude is not going to be able to help you. So if people can't understand or be supportive of you, then I don't think they're going to be be able to help you i think you need to you need to find people who are going to be able to help you and i I, honestly i think most people would be open and supportive if you were to speak to them about your mental health there are a lot of themes about friendship and the benefits of being social within stoicism and an examination of our relationships and that we should be choosing quality people that we shouldn't just settle for those who will drag us down yeah, I think so. And I think that's a, that's a good example of how if people aren't supportive of us when we're in a dark place, then we should probably ask ourselves, are they the right kind of people that we want to be spending our time with? But I, I honestly believe that being open and actually speaking to people, most of the time we're going to get that support that we need. All right. Very good. We're coming up on the end of our time here. Can you tell people how to find your book, How to Be Comfortable with Being Uncomfortable, 43 Weird and Wonderful Ways to Build a Strong, Resilient Mindset? Yeah, so you can, on Amazon, you'll be able to find it and lots of other bookstores online. Um, If you go to my website, benaldridge.com, you'll be able to find links and there's loads of different things. I've got an active blog. There's loads of pictures from the project. It's a very visual project. Um, and you can also check me out on Instagram. That's where I'm most active. The handle is at do things that challenge you. And Ben Aldridge, that's A-L-D-R-I-D-G-E. Yes, that's it. Any other social media presence? Um, yeah, there's Twitter as well, which is I am Ben Aldridge. And uh, yeah, those, those are the two best places. But if you go to my website as well, that has links to all my socials. So that's, uh, yeah, that's a good place to start. All right. Any other upcoming projects or things that you're working on now? Um, Well, there's lots of projects in the pipeline. So some things I probably won't mention it just yet. But yeah, just uh, keep your eyes peeled because there's going to be lots of other stuff um, coming out in the future. All right. Very good. Anything else that you'd like to leave for listeners? I think really just the key is for me, the thing that's made the biggest difference is I like the idea of we prepare for adversity by practicing adversity. I kind of like that concept. And that's something that has really helped me to at least have something to deal with the the chaos of life, the things that come up that are out of my control, knowing that I've been able to handle little things in the past and building my confidence by doing that, that has made a big difference. And I'm not saying that I'm prepared for everything that might happen, but compared to where I was, I've definitely got at least something that I can try. And I think that we can all benefit from that concept. All right. Very good. Thanks for sharing your time today and coming on the show. Well, thank you so much, Justin. It's been really lovely to chat to you. And thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more content. Visit my website at stoicsolutionspodcast.com for past episodes and social media links. Support my efforts through Patreon or Subscribestar linked on my website to receive special perks, including having upcoming podcast guests answer your questions, custom-made podcast episodes, and private one-on-one calls to discuss whatever you'd like.
Visit my other podcast at hurdygurdytravel.com, that's H-U-R-D-Y, hurdygurdytravel.com, to learn how to make money, save money, and travel the world at next to no cost with credit card rewards, deals, and loyalty programs. Thanks to John Bartman, who offered free consultation and audio edits for episodes 51 through 63. Thanks to Phil Giordana from the symphonic metal group Fairyland, whose music was included in past episodes, but now removed because YouTube has been flagging my videos with copyright claims, even though Phil agreed to share the music. Thanks to generous patrons and fans of this podcast who help support my work. Have a great day. Thank you.